Designs for Health is proud to present Understanding Epigenetics and Methylation, an online webinar with Zelda Graham on Tuesday the 21st of May 2024 at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. She'll be covering how to understand the steps of methylation, how to identify and manage patients with under and over methylation issues, what tests are useful to qualify patient symptom presentation, and how to set effective treatment goals with these patients. For more information and to register, please visit the designsforhealth.com.au website. Designs, and I'm your host, Andrew Whitfield Cook. Joining us today is Sofia Silchenko, and today we'll be discussing how to utilize urinary metabolites for better patient care. Welcome to Wellness by Designs. How are you, Sophia? Hi, Andrew. Thank you. Very good. Very, very nice to be here. Great. Um, now, first of all, can we get a little handle on what you do with Designs for Health, what your role is? Yes, so I am a health educator at Designs for Health. So basically working with practitioners and educating them on the Designs for Health range as well as functional testing. And I guess I have the biggest passion around functional testing, especially the urinary metabolics. I so take us through the... Sorry, just wanted to say that I'm a practicing naturopath as well, so I still am hands-on in clinic. Um, so take us through urinary metabolites. Uh, what, like, what are they? What analytes are measured? So urinary metabolomics is a next step from the organic acid assessment so it is including so your classic organic acids that we see it would be your Krebs cycle your fatty acid oxidation but then it also combines the neurotransmitter testing and neurotransmitter metabolites as well as a few unique markers things like glucose cortisol we have uh, some metabolites like equal that look at your gut um, bacterial metabolites related into the hormone production but then also it looks at a few very unique markers such as kt ratio for example which is the uh, you know they describe it as the marker of inflammation so inflammation related to the aging okay so where do urinary metabolites fit into modern clinical practice where do they shine I guess one of the main areas where they shine is to, how we call it, assess the person's metabolic signature. And by assessing their metabolic signature, we mean to basically identifying what in their metabolism can be causing a specific disease issue or a symptom. For example, if we look at the more of a, you know, complex cases, let's say the person comes in to see you and usually as naturopaths, you know, we will see person, people that have seen many practitioners and kind of are hitting the wall. Urinary metabolite testing gives us an understanding on where to start to unravel. 
because we are looking at it from you know the system approach which is in a very holistic manner it helps us to understand is it you know the macronutrient metabolism issue do we have any kind of nutritional deficiencies is the nervous system involved your neurometabolite testing so looks at the gut microbiome and could there be any um, issues in or you know any overproduction of the toxic metabolites it looks at some of the environmental exposure so I guess it really shines as a great holistic assessment tool in that sense right okay so I've got to ask then why aren't they used more regularly what what's the What's the holdup with grasping this technology? Is it that we haven't been educated very well in them? You know, like I, I, I remember other people going galloping ahead of where I was with regards to um, organic acid testing and things like that. So in that sense, I'm a bit of a stuck in, stick in the mud. Um, so is it because of a knowledge deficit? Is it a fear of potential expense to the patient? Where are we at? Why is there that deficit? <laughs> I would say that there's definitely a combination of a few of these points that you mentioned, Andrew. Um, we do, as naturopaths, know about organic acids, but many of us are scared because um, we think that we're not educated enough. We don't understand the biochemical pathways well enough to make a sense out of it. And, you know, these kind of tests, especially uh, with um, metabolomics tests, it's really evolved in the sense that it gives you a good understanding on um, what is wrong and which pathway can be affected without you really needing to understand the whole biochemistry, right? So it's really, for example, if we look at the report, the way it's structured and the way the layout is done, you can see is it as I mentioned before, you know, is it the toxicity involvement? Is it a new acid utilization problem? Is it the Krebs cycle? You don't need to know these days each specific acid to make a sense out of it. So it's more of a pattern that we're trying to pick up in there as um, holistic practitioners. With the cost thing, I guess it's always a bit of an issue because when we're looking at any kind of a functional testing, but in my opinion, and the way we see it is utilized, um, if you would do one test, this would be the test to do because it gives you such a good and broad overview of the potential things that could be happening, of potential drivers of the issue. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that it would be the perfect partner to genetic testing because genetic testing gives you the the imprint, the background imprint, but doesn't tell you about the epigenetics or how it's functioning, how a system is functioning. This will tell you how it's functioning and then hopefully direct you to where your therapy should be concentrated. Is that right? Yes, correct. Because, you know, I'm a big fan of genetic testing myself in my clinical practice. But you're right. With the genetics, we know that that's like your baseline, right? That's the backbone of things. But we don't know how the genes are playing up. While, for example, with the metabolomic testing, we can actually see, you know, for example, you have the MTHFR gene. With the metabolomics, we can see what it's playing out or not because we look at your methionine and histidine metabolism and we can see whether methylation is affected in any way. 
We, for example, with the genetic testing can see that you have glutathione issues. We don't know, are you actually affected by that or not? While with looking at the metabolites, we can see that yes, there is increased demand for glutathione. And that's probably one of the uh, really exciting things that we can see with the testing as this. You said earlier that you're in practice yourself. Can you take us through a case or two of where OMX testing, these urinary and metabolite testing, um, has, has directed your therapy or changed the choice of therapy that you might make for a specific patient to help them out? Because urinary metabolomic testing can be looked at as, as a truth machine. We really see what is exactly happening in person's body. In my clinical practice, few times what I have seen is that it really helped to develop a conversation with the person in terms of their eating patterns, in terms of their um, stress levels. Um, to give an example, I had a patient who had a real weight resistance despite a good diet, despite um, a really active lifestyle, and we couldn't really get anywhere with her. We've done the omics test, and the picture that I've seen was of um, the picture of really severe malnourishment. Um, with the omics, we can really see, you know, we can assess some amino acid intake. We can see whether there is a muscle breakdown. And the person um, on a test looked almost um, malnourished and anorexic. Uh, this developed a real good conversation and opened it up with the patient, which then at some point really unraveled more of a deep underlying thing that was not uncovered before that. So, um, and this is just one example. And I had it uh, with a few different wow. patients around that. So basically, mm. it's, um, yeah, you know, when you show to the person, to your client on paper, look, this is what we've seen in your results. Why do you think, is it happening like that? It then really kind of breaks the wall for them to open up in terms of um, some underlying, you know, contributing factors to this. And mm. often mm. it can be well, I guess indeed in this case it might have uncovered a, an eating disorder that would have otherwise gone un, uncovered, undiagnosed, unheeded, and potentially led to a drastic um, outcome for the patient, horrible outcome. So that's very yes. interesting. How the, other, the, the flip side of that is that it can also tell when your patients are telling you fibs. <laughs> so mm. non-adherence to yes. therapy. <clears throat> And I guess few other things would be um, more from, you know, um, biochemistry perspective when tests as, um, as this can really help you to pinpoint some of the underlying biochemical blocks or deficiencies. For example, just recently looking at one of um, the omics reports, I can pinpoint a B2 deficiency that was contributing to really disordered fat metabolism that was then contributing to the lower energy. You know, not always we think about uh, B2 riboflavin as uh, your main um, energy-supporting nutrient. I mean, yes, we may look at the B-complex, but, um, you know, with yeah, tests as this, we can really pick up the tiniest um, 
nuances in um, someone's metabolism. And then as a clinician, I like that it really saves you time. It saves you your patient money because then you don't need to go with 10 different supplements. You can choose just two because they would be very personalized. And that's, I think, how it fits, you know, in the whole approach of a very personalized medicine that we're doing with this um, patient-centered care. Gotcha. Now, we, we are talking about OMX metabolomic testing today. And, and you know, I don't, I don't have an issue when we're talking branding, if you like, of this test. Um, I don't usually... I usually refrain from mentioning branding, but in this instance, it is crucial to mention it because it's quite different in a couple of fa- couple of ways from other tests that it might be similar. Correct? There's a couple of ways in which it's quite unique. Yes, um, it is quite unique, and I would say it's almost like a next step, an advancement, an expansion from your classic organic acid test because it does include the organic acids. It also looks at your amino acids, so it's a very complete amino acid metabolite profile. It looks at the neurotransmitters, and also OMXS has a few markers that are very unique, um, which are not... um, to our knowledge, assessed in um, any other tests. And um, some of the unique markers, probably one of the most exciting ones, is um, the kynurin tryptophan ratio. It's mm-hmm. when we're looking at the tryptophan metabolism. And this KT ratio really is assessing the level of the inflammation in the body and um, is referred to also like an inflammaging as, you know, the inflammation that is contributing to aging. Another unique to, I guess, from the organic acid perspective um, marker would be we're looking at the cortisol, we're looking at aldosterone, which are not uh, normally included in them. And um, there are also a few unique kidney health markers, such as microalbumin, which can really help you pick up whether there's any kidney issue. And another interesting marker is called equal. And equal is, um, it's the product of the bacterial, gut bacterial metabolism that has a very good estrogenic and antioxidant activities. So I'm really interested in this microalbumin. Is this going to have an effect like, um, how do I ask that correctly? Is this going to be sensitive enough to pick up pre 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 diabetes so we're getting like micro leakage of albumin out of the kidneys so we can uh, address <clears throat> kidney function way ahead of you know any drastic issues that might occur later with diabetes yes so the microalbumin is used as a really early stage indicator of the kidney health and you know generally in omics um not just with the microalbumin but with many other um metabolites it's a really good prevention screening um, because we will pick up things way before they become pathological even if we look at the metabolism by looking at, you know, the function of the Krebs cycle or the fatty acid metabolism or some of the inflammatory markers, we can really pinpoint and um, kind of a catch upstream some of the metabolic things that say insulin resistance. With regards to the equal measuring that you spoke about, um, Sophia, 
Is this an indication of liver metabolite function, like, for instance, the um, site 3A1, 3A2 metabolites, urine, uh, sorry, forgive me, estrogen metabolites, um, and or is this an indication of perhaps excess beta-glucuronidase uh, function by the microbes in the gut? So... Um not really out of those. So what is equal? So equal is a byproduct of the bacterial metabolisms of the isoflavones from soy. And some yep. people would be naturally equal producers or non-producers. And that would be dependent on the gut microbiome, the gut microbiota. Um, so to say it correctly. And um, basically we would know that people, you know, on a vegetarian diet or people from more of the Northern European descent ha- are an e- equal producers, which is actually more protective, especially for looking later in life when we need uh, that extra good um, estrogenic support. There's been uh, some research on equal producers and its correlation with, you know, protection from cardiovascular disease or from uh, some bone uh, hormonal, like basically the osteoporosis hormonally related. Mm. So so what, I, what I'm getting at there, though, is with equal, if you're measuring this, obviously you're going to have to measure a baseline and then a therapy equal. So I don't know, you know, that, that sort of plays into the expense issue. But to measure that, you could actually measure how any beneficial bacteria or dietary intervention that you're recommending for your patients is actually affecting their estrogen metabolism. Not, are we going to give this in the hope that it will, but you're actually showing that it is. Yes, and that's, you know, also where um, metabolomic testing can be used as initially to set the baseline and to see where you're at and then continuously doing, you know, repeated tests to basically see um, how the intervention is working. So um, many practitioners start to use this kind of a testing to really see the progress. And as you said correctly, to see whether the intervention is working after knowing your baseline. Gotcha. And just going back to that KT measurement, which I thought was funny because I'm thinking about vitamin K and D. But, <laughs> and then I thought about the KT boundary with regards to the extinction of dinosaurs. But but. When we're talking about inflammaging, does it correlate with things like, um, you know, age, rage, you know, the receptor for advanced glycation end products? Are we talking about linking in with um, sugar metabolism or are we linking in with genetic metabolism like telomere length and things like that? In the case where of the KT ratio, which is your kynurin tryptophan ratio, we're basically looking at the tryptophan metabolism, right? So we know that the tryptophan can go mainly down two pathways. It can go down to serotonin, melatonin pathway, or it can go down to the kynurin pathway. Um, going down to the kynurin pathway is influenced by your IDO enzyme. And we know that that IDO enzyme will be upregulated in case of inflammatory response in the body. So 
this uh, measurement not necessarily gives us an understanding where exactly information is coming from, but it gives us a marker to say there is an inflammatory response in the body. Ah, right. And, you know, that's why um, with the omics test, we will not just look at the specific marker and focusing on that. We would look at it again, we'll do the step back, and we'll look at a big picture, and we'll try to see, all right, where that inflammation could be coming from. Because we will be able to see, you know, is there a toxic impact? Because we can see what it is, an exposure to some environment, environmental toxins. We can see, is there a gut involvement and uh, overproduction of some of the, you know, toxic metabolites like LPS from the gut microbiota, if there's a dysbiosis. It can show us, could it be related to low glutathione levels? and um, Or it could be just related to things like malnourishment. Sophia, obviously I'm on just on the cusp of looking into this deep cup of urinary metabolite testing. Um, I'm one of the old school. So there's so much to learn and yet I can just see that there's such usefulness in picking up things really early so that they don't become a menace and, indeed, at some, in some instances, don't become unrecoverable, like diabetes, you know, kidney damage. So where can we learn more about urinary metabolite testing um, so that we can get a handle on, on how to use it in practice? Um, yes, so at uh, Designs for Health website, we have um, – created a specific learning portal where we can go where practitioners can go deeply into each specific metabolite exploring um its usefulness and basically how to interpret the test so um yeah there's the about 15 hours of education on the topic and it's very conveniently structured for you to dive deeper into a specific metabolic pathway or specific marker that you'd like to explore we have also recorded a webinar with a great overview and with highlighting you know the usefulness of this test in practice. Um, the one thing that I wanted to say is that I really encourage practitioners not to be overwhelmed by um, tests like this. Because, you know, sometimes when you look at this report and it looks too much, right? There's so many metabolites, there's so many markers tested. And I remember myself first time looking at it, feeling, oh my God, what do I do with this all? But then, you know, the way it is structured and the way it's broken down really helps you just to understand what area of person's um, health picture needs to be looked at and nourished. And, you know, as with any kind of um, uh, other pathology testing, you can look at the blood test and just say, oh, everything's within a range and it's fine. But then as you develop your clinical skills and as you learn deeper, you learn to pick up a smaller nuances. So basically what I'm trying to say in here is that with the omics as well, you can really start very... Um, kind of, you know, you broadly. can start slowly and broadly because it will already give you so many answers. Even if you just understand where to start to untie, like, you know, untangling the knots, where mm. to begin to look at the deeper underlying issue. You know, I'm picking up 
some very common sort of threads with regards to when I first looked at um, at SNP testing. And I, I remember I kept on going over in my mind and, and I would go, yeah, yeah, that's great, but I'd go back to laboratory testing. And then I'd go, yeah, 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 that's really good, but I'd go back to laboratory testing. And finally when I did it, that's when I understood where it where it really shone and where you needed laboratory testing, like these urinary metabolites, to have a confirmation of an actual issue rather than a supposed or a potential issue. Um, so I think it just ties in so well. But urinary metabolites have certainly got um, some some legs to sort of open up to for the future so that we can learn more and, and see how we can help patients. So Sophia, thanks so much for taking us through it today. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Remember, you can catch up on all the show notes of today's podcast and the other podcasts on the Designs for Health website. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. This is Wellness by Designs.